Hello all, welcome to Black Hearted Mama. It is great to jump on here and just do some updates in regards to two of our cases. As well, we're gonna go ahead and pick up a, another case this week that is really interesting to say the least. It's the Anna Walsh case. And so we're gonna dig into a little bit of that as well, but we're gonna start off in Idaho, y'all. And this is, of course, Koberger. He has waived his rights to a speedy preliminary hearing status. Therefore, we are not going to hear from him in this story till June. What is important here is that he waived a speedy trial. He is being, of course, charged for four counts of first-degree murder and burglary. I'm very curious to know within this burglary charge what else is there. And I also want to point out, y'all, is that it says he wants the co-defendant's information and their communication. That doesn't necessarily mean there is another person being charged other than him. That could mean just simply a statement from the police. It could mean a detective. It can mean any of that sense. It doesn't necessarily mean that there is someone else being charged. So I hope that makes sense. And it's just very interesting the way they word it. By the way, y'all, hate to cut in here, but it is one of my favorite days. Friday the 13th, no matter what month it falls in, is always a fun day for me. I definitely am weird like that. That is, of course, we talked about my favorite number in previous podcasts, as well as Friday 13th is just a, a cool day to me. I've never really dove into it being, you know, a cursed day. So very interesting, y'all. I just wanted to share that with you. And here we go. He arrived in court yesterday with orange t-shirt and pants, and he gave the judge one-worded answers, very much to the point. He said he understood his rights, and then this hearing was about five minutes long, is what is being told. Now, I'm going to go ahead, and this is a report that is really interesting to me, and it's from the OPB, and so I want to really um, share this with y'all. And Kohlberger's attorney, Ann Taylor, told Magistrate Judge Megan Marshall at, that Kohlberger was willing to waive his right to a speedy preliminary trial and hearing, which would have required that he be held within two weeks. So the hearing itself will likely take four or five days, to say the least. He's willing to waive timeliness to allow us to obtain the discovery in the case and prepare. Okay, so we pushed this prelim hearing till June 26 at 9 o'clock a.m., expecting it to last for five days. Now, my understanding also is that he's just simply brought down um, the jail is in the same location as the courthouse. Therefore, he's just brought down from the jail and it's not too hard to bring him. You know, it's not, 
know, transporting or anything like that. It's simply just bringing him down to the actual courtroom. So I wanted to also point out that Koberger has this plan with his dad to drive to Pennsylvania. So they booked that ticket ahead of time that he needed help driving out there um, to Pennsylvania and that, you know, he was his co-driver. It took them roughly three days. But what I think is very interesting, and I'm going to really stress this, is that we knew weeks in advance, about two, roughly two weeks, that they were looking for his model and make of that car and color. So it's very hard for me to believe that someone is going to hop on an airplane. Someone is going to go and drive with their son across the country. Are you telling me that there was no news that he hasn't caught a glimpse of, you know, even in a gas station, you know, the, the news there, it it could have been simply at the front of a newspaper y'all. So it's really hard for me to believe this if he had no clue whatsoever that they were looking for a white Hyundai Elantra matching the year of his son's vehicle. So it's that's just really concerning to me. And, you know, at one time they chatted with the officer that pulled them over for um, tailgating that they were going to get food. And I believe it was Thai food. Very very odd to me that they wouldn't know this. Like he, oh, is going to do all this, but not have a clue that they're looking for the exact same make and model of their son's vehicle. So I also want to stress that he has a lot stacked up against him, especially the DNA evidence. There is everything underneath the sun pointing to him. And If you want to, you know, jump on the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, Nancy Grace is covering live in Moscow. And, you know, it it is definitely a somber feeling. She's there on the scene. What I find is really interesting and what multiple news sources have pointed to is that There's actually a baby that lives on the street, and you can hear the baby crying from, you know, the location of the security camera that was supposedly picking up the whimpering. It is clear as day that there's a baby crying in the background, and it's incredibly sad because if it's picking up that, it and the baby's farther away, and the house is like a stone's throw away, that, yes, you're going to pick up the whimpering and crying. And so that's so incredibly sad. You know, I was listening to the podcast myself and heard the baby, and the baby's quite farther away. And so knowing the fact that they picked up the whimpering or the crying is just heartbreaking. And you know, again, everyone is pointing to this very much that, I'm sorry, he, you know, the profiles of him and Ted Bundy, it's eerie. And, you know, the fact that he sent out that survey to felons, you know, how does it feel 
when you, how does it make you feel when you committed your crime? How are you thinking in the moment? Eerie AF. Now, Dennis Rader has came out and said there has been no communication with him and Koberger. So Dennis Rader is BTK. So he is a serial killer in a sense, and he goes under the title BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill. And he also is part of the Sarah Killers amongst, you know, top 10 because he eluded the police as well as he communicated with media. And, but he has said he's had no interaction with Koberger. So very interesting to me. Uh, also, I want to point out that this is going to be a long wait, y'all. We got till June. So this dude is more than happy just chilling in jail and chilling till June. Like, holy crap. Um, We're almost going to see him in July. It's actually going to run into it. So it's like, really? Like, you're okay. But something that's eerie as well that I'm going to stress to all of this is the fact that when he was, when he did make his public announcement in Pennsylvania, when he was wanting to come back to Idaho, you know, he wants to be exonerated. He can't wait to be exonerated for his terms. And that just gave me chills because very much Ted Bundy-esque, you know, like I am higher than mighty. I know the system, everything. I, I didn't do this, but he never actually came out and said, I didn't do this. He wants to be exonerated. You know, most that didn't commit something so brutal wouldn't say the word exonerated. They would most likely use, I did not do this. I did not, you know, there was no involvement by me. So it's it's a little eerie there. So we're gonna leave Coburger. I'm sure more things will come up before June. So we're staying on top of that, y'all. And lovely, good old Samuel Bateman there in Arizona. Of course, the trial is pushed back, what we originally thought. And so he, of course, is charged with kidnapping and tampering with evidence and in federal investigation. And that is into his community on the Utah-Arizona border. He also has pleaded non-guilty to the charges in U.S. District Court of Arizona. And he was scheduled to go on trial Tuesday, but guess what? The trial is now scheduled for March 14th. They need more time to collect information, evidence, all the fun stuff. And remember, those three of his wives are also being tried with them. So just an ew feeling there. And the fact that, you know, some of his wives are underage girls. So... But the most important thing is that, you know, it definitely was pushed back because of there's a lot going on. And, um, you know, and, you know, there's just too much to be able to have this trial any sooner due to the fact that, you know, three of the wives as well as himself and he is claiming innocence to horrible horrible things, you know, and, you know, he's the same dude that supposedly gave some of the girls, you know, as in children 
to his followers. So again, it's scheduled to start March 14th. They need more time to prepare. So we are going to head out and go a little bit on a different track, and that is the Anna Walsh case. So this is a case where she is missing and she is from Massachusetts. I'm sorry, I'm from New Mexico, therefore I do say it a little odd. And I'm sure y'all out there are gonna be a little judgy there, which I get it. And Anna Walsh, so this is where the husband, Brian, was taken into custody for basically not telling the truth to police. So he, you know, was very much, had a story, and that story just got wrapped up in all different sorts of things. So, you know, it's inaccurate. They found, you know, a lot of misleading, misleading the police. And so they did arrest him. But, you know, with his particular case, Brian Walsh was already on house arrest. And that was pending a case involving where he, uh, was selling fake art. And so he was was being tried for selling fake art. He also was not part of his very rich father's will. And within that will, he took it upon himself to become the executor when he wasn't. So he tried selling this $700,000 house, um, thinking he wouldn't be caught as well as some Andy Warhol paintings that he tried saying that were um, authentic. And so a New York art gallery met with him, got the paintings, gave him the check. They got back to New York, and of course they were found out that they were not authentic. So he had an ankle monitor on this entire time, but the ankle monitor was not GPS purpose. Um, it did not reflect necessarily his, uh, his movement. They just know that he left his home. They don't know that he, where his location was, unfortunately. So I, I want to throw that out there is that they, this particular monitor just said, oh, you've, he's left his house. And he did have permission to be out of his home uh, for that period of time to help his mother. His ailing mother is his go-to with a lot of his, uh, a lot of his alibi and a lot of his whereabouts is with his mother. But there has been no evidence that he was actually with her. So we're going to talk a little bit about... Anna. So she told police in 2014 that someone threatened to kill her and her friend. According to an incident report CNN obtained from the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, a spokesperson for the department confirmed that Brian Walsh was the person involved in the report. The report was filed by Anna Walsh, then Anna Kemp. So she was not married yet, when she resided in Washington, D.C. The case was later closed because the victim refused to cooperate with pro prosecution. 
So she refused to basically go farther. So very interesting. And this is also part of the understanding of Brian Walsh. And this is a CNN direct quote. Brian is not a trustworthy person and his affidavit is based on lies and misrepresentation. Wrote by Jeffrey, Jeffrey Ornstein, who said he was close friend of the father and had room with Brian Walsh. Ornstein also wrote Brian Walsh was diagnosed as a sociopath and had been a long-term patient at a psychiatric hospital in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Very interesting. Brian Walsh is very angry and physically violent person. And, you know, this is very much of the fact that he is diagnosed with a disorder. And, of course, the fact that this woman is missing. And he, in the meantime, is going and buying, you know, after she's, you know, missing that he's buying $450 worth of cleaning supplies. Just a horrible feeling, you know. And here is some evidence in regards to, again, from CNN. Brian Walsh told police he saw his wife on January 1st when she left for a flight to Washington, D.C. and said he spent the next day running errands and spending time with his kids. But investigators alleged he provided an intentionally false timeline of his actions that hampered their search. He has pleaded not guilty to the charge of misleading investigators. Investigators have found possible grim evidence, which is blood and a bloody knife in the family's basement. According to prosecutors, Brian Walsh's internet records show searches for how to dismember and dispose of a body. According to law enforcement sources, and a hacksaw and apparent bloodstains at a trash collection site, law enforcement sources say. Now, these little kiddos, she's uh, a mother of three children between the ages of two and six. Anna's mother is in Serbia. Therefore, she is working to get to the United States. And she would like to take custody of the children if possible. So the couple's three children are in custody of the Massachusetts Department of Children and Families. According to the spokesperson, two of Anna Walsh's friends have come forward that several local families have stepped forward and offered to take the children in so they can remain together. Keeping the three all together is very important to them. And, you know, I, if you look at this dude, he looks like a con artist. So that's what's really interesting about this, as well as the fact that how is this going to change uh, in regards to if he is truly diagnosed with a mental disorder, as well as just overall. Now, what everything leads me to believe is Anna was a really great businesswoman. You know, she's loved by many people, very respected. And it's just incredibly sad that, you know, there is no body and they haven't found her in any way. So... I, I just wanted to also stress that in 2021, Brian pleaded guilty to three federal fraud charges and has been on house arrest in the monitor I was telling you about um, until he gets to sentencing. So, 
Definitely to say the least, this is a suspicious situation where she is missing and, you know, Brian Walsh is being held on a $500,000 bail and set to appear back in court on February 9th. So we shall see y'all just, you know, the updates and anything that comes its way. I'll definitely jump on here and share with y'all, but definitely it's incredibly sad that they have not found um, really a trace of her yet. So that is all for today. I will jump on later. Uh, you know, if anything breaks in either of our, any of our cases, we're following. So we're covering three right now, as well as I am doing a separate. So this will be noted in the show notes as update. And that means it's following the three cases we've been talking about. And so the Anna Walsh case is going to be covered as well as Idaho and what's going on in Arizona with Bateman. But on another note, I will label the Vallow slash cult research that I will be doing. And I'm going to follow the Lori Vallow and Daybell case as it unfolds, as well as bring in some cult information. I find it very interesting that this fits the bill of a cult by a thousand percent. And I'm really excited to dive into it with y'all. So, you all have a fabulous weekend. I will jump on here, though, if anything happens or anything news-breaking. If hopefully, you know, you never know. Maybe they'll find Anna Walsh that she's hiding and, you know, be able to give her family an ease of mind as well as her kiddos. So, I appreciate y'all for listening. Please like, follow, share. Um, wherever you're listening to this podcast and thanks for joining black hearted mama and I will talk to y'all soon. All right. Bye y'all.